Welcome to Mind and Soul Matters, I'm Farah Feeney. Through conversations with everyday people, Mind and Soul Matters aims to broaden our understanding of mental health and spirituality and to deepen our insights into the challenges and meaning of our lives. Parenting, it can be one of the most rewarding yet challenging responsibility of our lives. We want our children to be the good in the world. We want to give our children the best, to bring out their best. But how do we know if we're getting it right? We are fortunate to have Veronica Anderson join us today to talk about a virtues-based parenting program. Veronica, a mother of three adult children and two beautiful grandchildren, has been involved with the Virtues-Based Parenting Program for many years. I'm really looking forward to finding out exactly what this program entails and how it can help us bring out the best in our children. Welcome, Veronica. It's a pleasure to have you here to talk about parenting, an area I am so passionate about. Thank you, Farah. It's lovely to be here and to talk to you about a subject that's very close to my heart. So how did you become involved in the Virtues-Based Parenting Program and what is it exactly? I knew that role modelling was important and that had been the thing that I wanted to change so that when I did get grandchildren, I could be a better role model to them than I have been to my to my own children. So one day I was talking with some Baha'i friends. They mentioned something about a spiritual parenting program that the Baha'is offered. So even though my children had already grown up, I thought, well, maybe this is the opportunity I've been kind of hoping for. I will go and do this course and maybe I will you know, be able to input into my grandchildren some of those things that I hadn't, I had missed out doing with my own kids. Children are the most precious treasure that a community can possess, for in them are the promise and the guarantee of the future. I think when I came across that quote, I thought, yes, that's exactly what I think. It just sums it up in, in you know, very succinctly yeah. how important children are and therefore how important it is that we put into them the very best, give them the best tools to be the best people that they can be. And in being the best people that they can be, they will contribute to the building of humanity's future civilizations. That's so powerful, but at the same time, it does put a lot of pressure on parents, doesn't it? That that we there's this responsibility to for the next generation. So, how do you think the and I've referred to it as the virtues based parenting program, and it also has the title spiritual parenting program. Uh, can you describe what that is and what this concept of you know spiritual parenting means? There's another quote that kind of sums up the the whole basis of the spiritual parenting program. It is, regard man as a mind rich in gems of inestimable value. Education can alone cause it to reveal its treasures and enable mankind to benefit therefrom. 
it, it turns kind of the way that I had looked at, at educating my children on its head because I had always thought, you know, I have to teach them to do this. Mm-hmm. I have to put something in. Whereas I think when I read this quote, I realised that, you know, they came rich in these gems and these gems are the virtues and education is spiritual parenting. So I think that's where I think that parenting, spiritual parenting term kind of came along because all what we're trying to do in this program is give parents some tools so that they can mine these virtues in their children. They can help to draw it out of their children. They have it already, these children. We as parents just need to help them to bring it to the surface. And so tell us how the program goes about doing that. So it seems like the, that's what the program does. It, it teaches parents the skills to, to to bring out these gems, to mine these gems. So the program itself is based on a book called The Family Virtues Guide, Simple Ways to Bring Out the Best in Our Children and Ourselves. And I just want to mention the ourselves part because that's really important and it goes back to the role modelling. So unless we ourselves demonstrate or show or live out these virtues, there is no way we're going to be able to to help draw them out of our children. We have to be the role models that that model this kind of behaviour, these gifts to them. So the program itself is a non-religious program, but it is based on these virtues, which are common elements of spirituality found in all the sacred traditions of the world. The course itself consists of five sessions of about three hours each, and there's a lot of discussion during the course. So each session, the first one is about the power of language. And here we're talking about virtues language. So we use virtues when we're speaking to children. So if we want them to play, you know, quietly, we would we would say, please, would you like to show me your peacefulness? We also educate our children about all these different virtues. And when I came across it the first time, I hadn't realised but there are hundreds of virtues. I mean, there are 52 that are really common, which will include things like kindness, compassion, empathy, resilience, determination, self-discipline, trust, forgiveness, humility, generosity, creativity, wonder. You know, these are just a few. And, And the children have all these beautiful qualities in them. So we're just trying to catch them when they use those qualities and then and honour them for it. And then when they don't display them, try and help them to, to see that it's something they already possess. They just need to pull it out and use it. So I think the power of our language is really important. And that's what we try to get across in the first session and how to use positive language to, to get to the behaviours that we want. So it's, yes, it's more about encouraging rather than criticizing yeah in that and that's session. that's so powerful for a child because the the they grow up instead of thinking i am lazy the the other side of that is that i need to show responsibility mm-hmm. and that's so powerful mm-hmm. growing up with mm-hmm. these different self-talk really the the beliefs about themselves and and it's really important too because I think labels are things that we carry but I think we also talk about uh, the negative impacts of positive labels because sometimes we think you know we we call our children clever or Mm. or other or or good again it is so labels in general we we try not to use them and we we praise a behavior 
and we encourage a behaviour rather than, and we acknowledge a, a positive behaviour or, or outcome, but we try not to label the child with that because I think even a positive label does not necessarily have a positive outcome. Can you explain that a bit more? Sure. So if you tell your child that, you know, they're very clever yeah. and you keep saying you're very clever, it, it becomes one of those labels where the child has to live up to that label. Yeah. And there's, there's the risk that when they come across something that they don't think they're good at, they're just not going to try it. Because if they fail or they don't do as well as expected, they're not living up to that label and mum or dad won't think they're clever anymore and they've yeah so so even a positive label is not helpful yeah it's better just to always concentrate on the behavior and and the outcome and to praise that rather than to label the child as being something yeah and that's backed up with research that Mm. they've shown now where children are labeled as smart Mm. and then they're given a group of children that was labeled as smart are given a a challenging task to do they don't do as well as the children who were praised and encouraged for the effort they were put in and now the focus is very much on acknowledging the effort so that was session one yeah in a nutshell Session two is about setting realistic boundaries. And we try to explain that everybody has to set boundaries. I mean, from little children not running across the road to, you know, showing respect for for elders and and your siblings and everybody. So we have boundaries. But what we're trying to get across is that we set boundaries not through harsh discipline and punishment, but via a blend of um, love and discipline. Once upon a time in a, in a school, they it was a newly built school, so they built the buildings, but they hadn't actually built the fence. Yeah, so when it was recess time or lunchtime, the children were allowed to go out and play. But what they noticed was because there was no fence, there was no boundaries, the children really didn't know how far away they, they could go from basically the school building. So they tended always to kind of stay very, you know, reasonably close to the building. Down the track, they built the fence. Now, the fence was actually quite a long way away. It was an oval's distance away. So once the fence was put on, the children that felt free and safe, I think maybe that's the operative word, safe, to go up to and play up to the boundary. And it allowed them a lot more freedom and a lot more space to, you know, just be themselves, run around, play and do things. And I think that principle is very much the same as we're trying to get across. If you set a a realistic and good boundary for the children, then they it gives them space to kind of grow and express themselves within that boundary. They know where the line is. They feel safe inside the line and they're aware that outside the line is kind of a no-go zone. Mm. So, And as, as children grow up, obviously the boundaries expand, you know, So boundaries grow as children begin to accept more responsibility as they age, as they mature, as their minds grow up. Session three then covers the the thing about parents as role models. So we look very closely at role modelling and we look at your family of origin, what kind of role models were your parents. There are good aspects of all models of parenting. So what we're trying to do is to pick out the best best aspects of them and then to move forward doing that. Session four centers on nurturing the light of the spirit. So all of us are spiritual beings. You know, we have a human body, 
but our essence, you know, the the real person is not my arms and legs. I mean, if you chopped off all my arms and legs, I would still be me inside my head. So the essence of a person is really that spiritual, that spiritual component. And what we're trying to do here is to nurture that spirit. In fact, all of this parenting is really around nurturing that spirit. But here we're talking about nurturing the adult. And when we've nurtured the adult, then that adult is kind of personally transformed. And I guess then they can nurture their children. So it's things like meditation, mindfulness, walking in nature mindfully, or what are called spirit walks, those sorts of things, just some skills to centre ourselves. Anything that feeds our soul. Yeah, anything that feeds so our soul. It could soul. be creativity. It could everything, be... anything, anything. Mm. It's it's all of those things. It's, it's about nurturing ourselves and then from nurturing ourselves and being nurtured, we can then nurture others. Mm. We can then nurture our children. And if as children we had not been nurtured through no fault of our parents, but we had found ourselves lacking in, in, in loving kindness to our to you know our essence. This gives us the opportunity to kind of nurture that inner child mm. in ourselves. Mm. You know, there's this analogy of if we're on a plane mm. and the oxygen mask drops, we're mm. always asked to put it on ourselves mm-hmm. first before we put it on our children or our dependents. And, you know, sometimes I think as parents, we can feel a bit selfish if we are looking after ourselves and guilt. I think guilt can sometimes come into the parenting Mm -hmm. equation. Um, But if we are looking at it in that we need to nurture our own soul first so that we can then nurture our children's soul, that I think can be really powerful. I think there is really no place for guilt. (laughs) Guilt? (laughs) Guilt only exists so that you're aware that you can do better and then and then you move on from that. Mm. You you say, okay, yes, you know, that I didn't do that really well. Um, let's see, let me try again. And then session five involves learning to listen empathically. Learning how to listen, how to be fully present when your child is talking to you. I know from myself. You know, the kids had come home from school, I'd be trying to cook dinner and, you know, ironing clothes for tomorrow. And I, you know, they'd say, you're not listening to me, mum. And I'd say, yes, I am. Yes, I am. But, you know, I'd have my back to them and I'm busily cooking or busily ironing. And the thing is, they don't see that we're listening. So I think to listen, we need to learn, especially when they're little, how to sit down, give them 100% of our attention, and if at that moment when they want to tell us something, we can't because something's boiling over on the stove, then we say, "Just give me two seconds, or, or, or one minute, or five minutes, or whatever it is that we need to finish the task that is so important that to us it's more important than our child." And say, and then be very firm. If you say, "Give me five minutes, I'll be with you." then stick to it. But Veronica, is that realistic to be able to listen in that way all the time? I think as parents, we learn to discern what are the really important, you know, for the really important, we can hear it in their voice 
often. So it's for the important stuff. It's there's for the emotional, really important. Where yes, there's yes. emotional things happening, then that's when we need to yeah. really listen. Yeah. Yeah. If they're just telling you something and you're driving the car and they're telling you about their day in the car, their, their day at school while you're driving home, sure, eyes on the road, not on the child. But it's, you know, if they've had a bullying incident or something like that, or you can see that they're distressed in any way, mm. that's the time. So, yeah, it's it's learning learning about about the instances to, to seriously pay attention. And then when we pay attention, it's then also how to respond, which is the second part, which is that spiritual companioning. Mm-hmm. I know it's a funny word, but it's it's about accompanying their spirit. It's about listening to them. And I guess as a counsellor, I think that's a lot what counsellors do. They as you said, they listen. And if we listen and we ask the right questions, often whatever is bothering the child, a solution, they will find themselves, they will talk it through in very much the same way people who go to counsellors eventually come to their own solution. You know, it's not a solution that we don't go to, we don't say to a child who's having a a bullying incident at school, oh, I'm going to go down there to school and oh, I'm going to tell the principal, rah, 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 rah. you know, because that doesn't really teach them anything. So the whole point in parenting is to help our children to be the best they can be, to be able to have, you know, good self-esteem, to be able to deal with any problems that arise as they grow and as they enter adult life so that they learn that they've got all the skills that they will need. They just need to look inside themselves and think, what virtue do I need in this situation? And I think, Veronica, you've given a really nice overview of the different sessions, and this, particularly this session five of the program, this listening and spiritual companioning. At each age, it can be quite different. So how we do that with a two-year-old versus a seven-year-old and a 12-year-old and 16-year-old, And even when our children are adults, I imagine, even when they're 30, it can look quite different. And I guess, you know, as a psychologist, it's really easy to apply that with clients or patients. But I think when it comes to our children, Mm. you know, every parent, if their child comes home and they've been bullied or something's happened where they're really distressed, it can be, it can bring up our own emotions Mm being aware and trying to contain that and not to try to quickly jump in and fix that. So there's all these things, our own emotions, our urge to want to fix. So I think those are some of the things that I'm thinking I need to keep an eye on when I'm trying to listen to my children. Mm. You've hit upon another thing that we do talk about. It's a thing called a pause button. So quite often what happens with us, whether it's, you know, with parenting or or even in the workspace, is we react. Someone says something and it's pushed the button and we it's like this reflex loop. You know, you just out, out of your mouth comes a reaction. It's not a response. So we try to encourage parents to have what's called a pause button would work as well. If if we're sufficiently self-aware to think, uh-huh, I'm going to say something inappropriate, just stop. Think about what you are going to say and what you really don't want to say and then respond, you know. But you've done that out of a space of kind of considered response. What advice would you give your younger self as a parent? Yes. 
if I could give advice to me when I was just starting out on this path, I would tell myself to recognize that my children are actually spiritual beings, not just physical bodies. Because I think a lot of my parenting was about feeding, clothing, um, you know, all those sorts of things. They, They were more about their physical bodies, even things like taking them to sporting events. It was all about making sure they got enough exercise, you know. I, I don't think it had ever really occurred to me that that there was that they had a spirit that was itself child and and fragile at at the time that they were young and that needed to be nurtured almost as much as their physical in fact more than their physical bodies it's easier to nurture their physical bodies to give them the food and clothing and shelter than it is to actually properly nurture their spirit then I would also be really aware that I was their primary model of language and behaviour, but I don't think I was aware of how much the way I interacted with other people and the respect or humility or kindness or generosity or trustworthiness that I showed to my other contacts and not my children, but, you know, all the adults in my life, I hadn't realised how much of a model that would be as well to them, that we realise that we're always these models. Plus it's, you know, it's us living up to our highest values and our highest standard, being the best that we can be, whether it be for our children or just for ourselves. Absolutely. And I think exactly as you said, what we do is so much more important than what we say. Mm. It's the life that we live Mm. that they're learning from. Mm. Thank you so much, Veronica. It's been wonderful chatting to you and we've learned so much. And if people want to know where they can find out more again. Yep. It's spiritualvirtuesparenting at gmail.com. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Veronica. I'd like to also thank our listeners and our great team who work behind the scenes to bring mind and soul matters to you. If you wish to keep up to date with new episodes, follow Mind and Soul Matters on Instagram, Facebook, and on your preferred podcast app. You can find us on most platforms, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube, all available for free. Think of a few friends that might be inspired by Mind and Soul Matters and share with them. If they're new to podcasting, show them how it works. Thanks again and I look forward to your company next time on Mind and Soul Matters.